The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, a podcast that is no longer serving calamari in the food court. This episode, we will be hanging out with the boys again as we look back at season three of the Amazon Prime video series. There is a good chance this won't be a family-friendly episode. Send the kids to grandmas when you listen. And if we have time, we may hear the brand new The Verse Confessions. No, I'm kidding. We're, we're, not, we're not doing that today. We're, we're not happening. So, anyways, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. <laughs> Get ready for this, guys. This all will be good. Let's hear it, Bert. Your big over-the-top intro. Excuse me? What's that? We're ready for it. Just like last episode. Let loose. Go ahead. Make an ass of yourself. Again. All right, you know, as you wish, here I go. I'm Bert. Jeepers, creepers, was that what you're looking for with them damn peepers? No. No, 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 no. Let's not play games, Robit. Just do it. We all want to hear your big introduction. Right, guys? We're ready for it. Let's go. Well, do pardon me for manners, but we must ask, what pray tale are you waiting for? You know, you're... Hey, everybody. It's me, your bloody robotic gent from 1987, an Isle of Wight fine fellow. Your old buddy, Bite. <laughs> now take it easy there, Norm. Me thinks we should do this proper and just stick to the old script. Seems you've got some jealousy issues with the old robot here. I'm starting to see a pattern. Is you going to become a problem? I'm not the problem here. You're the problem. Just say it. Hey, that's what you want to hear. Here I go. <clears throat> I'm bad. <laughs> no, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm starting to worry that that cup of tea you got there. May have a bit of the old liquid courage in it, if you catch my drift. Someone might need a trip to the old drunk tank. Oh, hey guys, I'm back. Did I miss the recording? Or Wait, hang on. What, what, is, what is happening over here? Did you start without me? Well, I think what happened is Norm might have raided my rum stash again. Say it, Bert! Give us your big intro! All right, Norm. Take her easy. I'll do that for you, old chap. All you had to do was ask. Here I go. Three, two, one, I'm Bert. <laughs> Say it. I'm Bert. Say it. I'm Bert. Say it. Mm, I'm Bert. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Is it my turn now? Um, okay. Say yeah, sure. I'm Let's Bert. just move on from all that. Say it. I'm Bert. And I'm Emilia. <laughs> and I'm Bert. And I and this this is and this is the verse news where we bring you the latest in TV, film, pop culture, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. Let's see what the verse squad has come up with this week. I hope. So I mean, the hits keep on coming in the news. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely not slowing down. 
What did you think about this? Uh, that they might now cancel the Flash. Have you heard the rumors of this? That's I don't know how oh, confirmed. Was, it yeah, is. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, they're reevaluating what to do here. I mean, we have to talk about it because it's like just such a rolling disaster. So they cancel the one that actually now has all this press. They, what they should do this is what I think they should do. They should flip it and say, you know what? Forget the Flash. <laughs> We're just gonna totally scratch that movie because the the liabilities with this Ezra Miller character. Uh, and instead, say they're going to now greenlight the resumption of uh, Batgirl. And honestly, at this point, I think people just show up just to see what it's about. Like, all their marketing's done. But they're not going to do that. They're definitely Let's not going to do that. <laughs> they're probably still going to go ahead with the Flash. Because there's, yeah. there's a couple options on the table, right? There, there's three options. Their, their option is basically do nothing, cancel it, or have... Uh, uh, Urza, Ezra Miller uh, seek help and counseling and uh, treatment and then release it with a uh, press tour without him and all that stuff. I think that's what's going to happen. But at the same time, did you read how they were doing reshoots with Ezra Miller as uh, wanted by police or being sought after by police? So like, in other words, they were like aiding and betting a fugitive. It's like the story gets worse and worse. Yeah. Like, so, I, I don't understand I mean, cut how your they... losses how you don't require you know essentially what's an employee of your production to like not mm-hmm. seek help much much earlier right than this it's, um or honestly just, like yeah. get fired cuz i'm pretty sure any other employee would be like yes. yeah. you you just get canned look i i think i understand warner brothers was put behind the eight ball on this one because of of what they are doing um they being Ezra Miller what do you do? You spent all this money. It's testing positive with with audiences. It's not your fault that they are a jerk, as I said earlier in this podcast in an earlier episode. It's it's not it's not Warner Brothers' fault that this all happened. You can release the movie and just be like, they are not a part of this anymore. Yeah. They are completely removed from this situation and understanding full well that you're going to get some flack. But at the end of the day, I think like I truly don't think people are really going to care that much yeah you know what i mean because it's a movie and then and also that uh, let's be real like it actually might even get people to wanting to see it more like i was saying because of the weird like car crash factor behind it yeah, all so and, and then just be like by the way they're fired they're no longer yeah. going to work for wb again and mm-hmm. and just just go with that and see and i think i think fans would understand and then be like going forward uh the the flash will be recasted yeah, there's an easy solution here that I, m- most likely what you just described is what's going to play out. Most yeah. likely. But you don't know what this team now. Like they're just no, probably no. just cutting it, things left and right. It's going to go ahead and um there's not going to be there's not going to be a press tour with Ezra Miller and uh mm-hmm. yeah, and the the Flash is going to be recast, but I people I just think that at this point they might be in the mindset of like no matter what we do, the public's going to be unhappy with us. So we might mm-hmm. as well do like whatever, uh, like according to the budget books. Which is what they were doing anyway. And like yeah. so many of the decisions, I don't think are like, they're just pure short term decisions to like make money for shareholders this is what it feels like. It's like, they're not really doing this for what fans want at all. Like that's not even factored in is no. like, this would make a better film experience or tell a better story. It's all hard hardline budget which listen is how most decisions are made when it comes to gigantic corporations like let's be real and and you shouldn't really actually even just like individuals 
is this going to make me money or not? And so like, yeah, it's, it's shatters our myth of kind of how these things come about, like the stories we like to spin about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not like Star Wars hasn't been guilty of this or Marvel at times been guilty of this. Like you make the decision that's best for the, you know, the bottom line. But at the end of the day, like one of the reasons why you look back at like New Line Cinema, who took the risk to do Lord of the Rings, which is like, and shoot them all at once, which had never been done before. That was because it was um, Bob Shea was running New Line, and he was a guy that used to go around with um, reels of film in his in the trunk of his car and screen them. Like that's how we started before we did Nightmare on Elm Street. Like th- there was somebody with vision at the top who understood film and entertainment and what people wanted. And so I feel like the more we get these huge cinematic universes that are like billion of billions of dollars industries, is like. It, you kind of lose that human factor that makes you make really dumb decisions that are truly just based on money and not on art. And that's what film is interesting is like it's a it's a balance of the art and the commerce. And when you just tilt it too far, where it's all about the bottom line, like I think you end up making bad content. And and Warner Brothers over and over again is proving that that that's true. Yeah, and the hits keep coming from there on in other ways. Uh, right now, uh, the DCEU on the television side is probably going to be gutted because as mm-hmm. of right now, the, the rumors are that Titans, Doom Patrol, and all of the CW properties, with the exception of The Flash, funny enough, um, are all going Which to be what, canned. Season 11 of The Flash? <laughs> they're, like, think, they're getting rid of all these other things? Anyway. Yeah. Season 8, maybe? Season 9? 8 oh, or 9? Okay. Yeah. I mean, are these wait seriously are these viewership numbers just like like way well, high, high, like do they tell a different story um titans well has doom patrol is Titan. yeah titans i don't know if i mean what season three are they in you've been an advocate for that show and i have to admit i never I, watched yeah. it <laughs> season three i've heard doom patrol is is really fun never watched it either i feel bad about that because people mm-hmm. seem to really like it's a cult favorite that one yeah doom patrol isn't far off from what the umbrella academy is just not executed mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. but it's um, still good it's a shame I, they're gonna axe a lot of stuff that it turns out like probably they probably shouldn't have that could have grown into something greater mm-hmm. uh i'm just really if they can peacemaker season two i'm just gonna be so depressed yeah because that was like the shining light for me of like they got something right. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they will, just because of the uh, the popularity of John Cena and mm-hmm. James Gunn. And James Gunn, yeah. Uh, and they're going to go ahead know. with Harley Quinn season four too. But it's true. That's but awesome. beyond that, it's like it's a little bit more uncertain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I just found out that that uh, Batman's Butler had a show. Penny's worth that. I guess they, which I never even. Whoa! I mean, I haven't watched talk about. It. I will yeah. admit, I that's. It's just anyway. I think that might be canceled. I think we beat up on Warner Brothers enough, but yeah. uh, anyway. Oh, they are going ahead with Black Canary. <laughs> they that's actually that shocking. That is still that's in development. Yeah. What is Black Canary now? Uh, she's one of the Birds of Prey. Yeah. She... Oh, Birds of Prey. Okay, I should have known that. Doi. Played by Journey Smollett, and oh, I love her. Friday Night Lights, baby. I, this actually sounds like it's going to be cool too, because uh, Misha Green's Misha Green from Lovecraft Country is writing the script mm-hmm. so okay. she's she's like a, she's a proven you yeah. know very interesting and very good writer so you know un- unless that gets axed to the finish line too <laughs> that should still be interesting safe. <laughs> well i'd like to do a quick 
um, actually, it's not a complete diversion because considering they own the IP, I guess, but um, is the Sandman. Did anybody else catch any of the Sandman on Netflix? I haven't yet. It's on the list. <sighs> not yet. Same. I watched the pilot. I just watched the first episode and I'll tell you, I'm really digging it. Like I need to watch more of it. I've just been, didn't have a lot of time this week, uh, but it's, I feel like it's not, don't expect the graphic novel f- for the best reasons. Like they did their own thing with it, but it's, very much Sandman, like the the setting, the how the approach to it. It's just not, you know, not only visually as well as story wise. You can tell they took whatever liberties they felt like they needed to, and it works. So definitely uh, check it out if you can. Well, I mean, I, I've been seeing the uh, buzz about it online, and no shock, anything Neil Gaiman is a part of, obviously becomes very polarizing for no <laughs> yeah. good reason whatsoever. Oh. <laughs> That you're gonna say becomes amazing. <laughs> no, no, that too. But like, it's always polarizing. It's always polarizing for the dumbest reasons. So yeah, check it out if you can. I think we are gonna cover it on the show. We'll at least do like a review of the first season. Uh, so yeah, let's all watch it in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I'm um, I'm liking the look a lot, especially mm-hmm. Brienne of Tarth as Death Incarnate. <laughs> yeah, great cast. The visually, it looks good. Like I mean. It's, it doesn't completely capture the the graphic novel illustration, yeah. but honestly, the, there's doing that would have been really weird because it is def, it, the art in it, which I loved about the graphic novels is a little abstract at times. So yeah, and Neil was heavily a part of the of writing this. So the mm-hmm. the actual, you know, I feel adaptation. like he takes care of his. He really takes care of his material. He does appreciate that. But to give Gwendolyn Christie some credit, uh, she embodies these characters so well that then we just call her by her character name and i don't think that's a diss on her at all i think that's a compliment to what she's able to do 100 percent agree maybe she'll come on someday and tell us about it <laughs> Ooh, that would be awesome we'll move along from sam and anybody else have uh other news to report maybe something that puts us in a good mood doesn't depress us no nah, i've just been rubbernecking at this car crash wb yeah mm-hmm. um so <laughs> same <yeah. laughs> same Well then, on that note, (laughs) that was The Verse News. And as promised from last episode, we are going to continue a no-holds-barred discussion of Amazon Prime Video's The Boys, starting off with Season 3. So, uh, a quick reminder, uh, what is The Boys and who they are, etc., etc.? The Um, Boys themselves, should we give a quick introduction? Yes. Well, the boys who are Carl Urban, Jack well, we Quaid, Anthony Starr. Oh, no, I'm giving you all the different <laughs> characters in there. Anyway, we can. Uh, the boys are a bunch of non-superhero people who are trying to take down and police uh, superheroes who are acting badly. Yeah. And in fact, that really comes uh, to a head here in season three, as if you recall. Um, this season three takes place a year after the events of the previous season. And the story follows the boys now working for Victoria Newman's Bureau of Superhero Affairs to apprehend problematic soups. Um, they kind of have a detente with the seven, who are like the Vought, the big corporation that owns the superheroes. But the conflict is resumed once Butcher begins to investigate the truth about the apparent death of Soldier Boy, one of Vought's first American superheroes, with the hope of killing Homelander for good which has been his mission since the first season. And Homelander's mental stability begins to deteriorate as Vought attempts to restrict his power while other seven members, such as Starlight and Queen Mauve, assist the boys in the plot against him. So that sums up kind of the pl- overreaching plot of the third season, which, you know, we get a lot more crazy superhero fights this season. We get 
uh, Herogasm, which was the orgy um, that was really, you know, talked up. Uh, yeah. But one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, changes is that we actually get um, uh, a, a guest star. Well, he's not even a guest star. Jensen Ackles ends up showing up in the cast. Who, if, if fans of Eric Kripke, who did Supernatural, rec- recognize him as like one of the actually the best part. Let's be real, of, yes. the best part of Supernatural. Uh, it's why I kept coming back for how many seasons? Fifteen. <laughs> yeah, sixteen, seventeen. Who knows? It's insane. Um, but he is so charming and. Uh, then we also get uh, the big t- twist this season is that the the boys get access to um, T- uh, Temp V. Temp, Temp V. Temp V. That gives them superpowers for 24 hours. Uh, and that's the big twist that it, it totally changes the dynamic, which I love about the show. They reinvent it every season. Uh, and in this season, all of a sudden, like this terrifying thing of going up against super superpower heroes when you're not. And how like viciously you can get mauled. Suddenly that's off the table, and they can fight, you know, toe to toe with them. Uh, so we get a lot of different uh, Butcher standing up to Homelander and actually fighting him, and also Butcher just murdering superheroes with superhero powers. Um, so it's a really fun season for that. Um, that we finally get a, a twist on it, and we also get uh, Dewey, no Huey. Huey. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> Huey gets uh, joins Butcher by taking the Temp V, uh, and we get to see his powers. And don't you love it how Butcher's superpowers mirror Homelander's? Yes. And Hue- oh Huey's God, that... is that he can disapparate. He, they're all so fitting, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it like takes like whatever your your essence is, like something about your soul, <laughs> and manifests it into a power. Which is funny. Um, well, why yeah. Huey gets uh, like, I guess flight. Uh, Butcher, yeah, he can run Butcher away. gets fight and Huey gets flight, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Perfect, yeah, and it really works. I mean, and but we get to see also one of the big points is Starlight uh, is also kind of pushing back on um, uh, Homelander this season and really standing up for herself as we saw her kind of come into her own throughout this series. But then also is uh, and you know trying to advocate for one of her friends who shows up. Through through the whole um, American Idol process, <laughs> it's it's just so heartbreaking, um, and you know we get to see her and Huey have a real tension in their relationship because he's still lying to her. Like after th- two seasons, you think they'd be like really open in their relationship, and they still end up having this like tension where he's withholding stuff. But I like how they really treat Huey, where you can tell this eating at him, this whole idea that he's fine with her being the strong one and he's physically weak. Uh, because that's not what their relationship is, and it, you can tell it's just in the, deep down he's super insecure about it, and they yeah. really use that to great effect this season. I, I think yeah. the insecurity also is really well justified because there's a point in this in, in the in the season where it's very obvious that Huey wants to save Starlight, but he's willing to risk having a like life with her to save her, and I think that's that mm-hmm. says like. That's kind of the the vindication in this season for Huey is that he's while he's going behind her back and he's doing what would normally be considered very like toxic male traits. In the end, he's willing to sacrifice his life with her so that she can actually just live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing is it's not an easy answer in that, and I can totally see how he's 
wrong, yep. right? You're like, can't, you're you're wrong. But at the end of the day, like it does come from a place of, well, insecurity, but then also caring where he's like, he'd rather have her alive and their relationship over than the alternative. Yeah, I don't, I like the fact that they didn't make this like black and white. They made it very muddy, very confused yeah. and, and gave this character a little bit of growth because between, you know, seasons one and two, his character, while he grows, it's at a snail's pace and it's almost glacial mm. at best. Now in this, it's like, okay, the character's at least got some dynamics to it now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What I do found... you think about it, Emily, since you're like the female perspective from that? Well, <laughs> I I just, I don't know. I thought their whole dynamic was, um, it like, it, it graded on me a little bit throughout the season just because of how like like it does follow this this very typical beat of like like uh like we thought that Huey was going to be like this chill cool guy who has found this chill cool gal and they're going to be they're going to be good together and a good fit but um and that insecurity never had to play a role in that um but it did and and I think it was like a perfect foil with uh Kimiko and Frenchie's relationship where like they both have very distinct like ideas of who they are and very distinct ways of being together uh, where there is no insecurity there. Like the things that are getting mm. in, in between Frenchie and Kimiko are largely external things like, and less to do with like, like Frenchie's never insecure that Kimiko is far, far physically stronger. Admittedly, Frenchie has certain skills that like Huey does not, that maybe like, yes. You know, Huey doesn't appreciate certain things about him that make him a worthy member of the boys. Um, I agree that, like, yeah, Huey is is not, like, I don't think he is just acting out for selfish reasons, like, or insecure reason, reasons. Um, although I do think it it's part of it. Um, and I think what, what bothers me about his approach is that even if it is all well-intentioned, like, he's actively doing things that she doesn't want him to do like he's actively going against her will and then they don't communicate and that causes problems because then they don't know what the other person's doing and he's like okay we're gonna work with this person and now you have to stay with Vaud, but actually you have to get out of Vaud. and it's just like flipping it up on her when she's already in a really dangerous position so it's hard to feel like it, it's a gray area right because I, I don't mm-hmm. think he's like wrong but i think he's trying to take more control of the situation than he should be given that she is like an equal member of this partnership. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you brought up uh, Kumiko and Frenchie because if you think about it, Kumiko's store is a like a mirror reflection of Dewey's because she, Dewey, I keep calling him Dewey, Huey. Um, God, that's what I would do to like my nerdy friend and like <laughs> you, do, you diss him without realizing. Anyway, um, for Huey, like, you know, she, uh, Kumiko like loses her powers, right? But then and she only wants them back because it's so that's like it's a sacrifice to her because she actually didn't want to keep them but she recognized like i have to keep people safe around me like my family is super important i need to get my power so that i can help protect them whereas for huey it was almost like a selfish re- like she does it for selfless reasons right like why she wants her powers back and he wants these powers for very almost like selfish reasons that it's like so he can feel like starlight safe right it's all really about it comes down to in the end his feelings Right. It's not really about, you know, mm-hmm. any this greater purpose. Like I'm going oh. to selflessly get these powers. You can tell it's from, like I said, the insecurity, which is what's cool about it. And, and I actually liked Huey more this season because of how him it going off the rails a little bit. more interesting to see. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's, there's I actually the other, enjoyed it. And I like their relationship. There's the other there's side of that. Even more this season. Yeah. There's the other yeah. side of that. You know, Huey, as, 
throughout season one and two, you get the feeling like of the entire group, Huey's the one that doesn't belong there. He has no experience. MM, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Frenchie, and and uh, Butcher all have some experience and some something that they bring mm-hmm. to the table that can works to field work. And then at the end of season two, beginning of season three, Huey's like, all right, my place isn't here on this, like, basically black ops team. It's a part of mm-hmm. a government machine that's going to help stop these soups and keep them in check. And then he finds out it's all a lie. And yeah. all of a sudden, his part in helping protect um, his friends, not just Starlight, it's also his friends, yeah, is completely gone. And yeah, he's left vulnerable of going, how do I help everyone out, out now? On the other side, you have Butcher who has the the talent, who has the traits that can do this, and he still takes Temp V to up the, to up the game, as it were. Yeah. And that, to yeah. me, comes out of, of very selfish reasons. Whereas... Butcher oh, Butcher's the most is... selfish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wonderful to watch. Like, literally, I thought they were going to pull back on it by the end of the season, and instead, they lean into it. Oh, like, oh, my God. In. I love Butcher so much this season. They're all, like, this season's great. At the same time, I have some issues with it from like a stylistic perspective. I have a couple issues with the season, uh, which makes me in some ways not like it as much as some of the pre- previous ones. But consistently, character work, it's as good it's as good or even better than previous seasons. You know, so. I got to say the, the storyline that I can't believe I was most into was actually A-Train's. I could yes, not he believe was, he gets a redemption arc. I cannot believe hell? how good of a storyline they gave A Train because the entire time you're like, wow, he's just a tool. He's so pathetic and yeah. everything about him. And then um, for him to finally realize that, like, while he's being a corporate tool, the people that he originally sought out to like elevate are getting hurt. It's just yeah. and and then him to have a part of it to try and how and, helpless he oh is. Oh my god, it's so it. good. Yeah, yeah, and then he like th- th- that scene, that, which we're going to talk about Herogasm for sure, because it was so hyped and it was still fun and interesting. Um, but what happens around that episode is way more cooler and crazy than actually like a orgy of superheroes. And one of them is where uh, what is the name? Blackhawk, Black Nighthawk. What was Blackhawk? Blackhawk. Blue Hawk. Blue Hawk. Yeah. Sorry. Blue Hawk. Yeah. So Blue Hawk, who's you know essentially patrolling all these minority neighborhoods and and just like over policing them, right? Like yep. hurting innocent people or going way too aggressive. Um, you know, there's that whole tension where you see that finally A-Train's trying to like bring actual change to the communities that he's, you know, what's the, po- what's the point of a superhero if you can't actually help people in your right. own community, right? Um, he finally recognizes like, it. That's never like what they were actually, that's never what their jobs were supposed to be. And mm-hmm. he's trying to now like, he's like, trying to reconcile these two identities where he wants to like it's almost a little difficult to tell exactly why he's doing it like he cares about his community and he cares about his family but he might care like a kind of a little more about his brand yeah he knows that if he can be seen as like this blm woke activist type uh kendall jenner type then like he could they uh, literally ripped that off oh my god (laughs) then he'd be like a train's back you know that's um, part of my issue with the season. It's almost too on the nose. No, like, no, no. It used no. to be like very that, yeah. parallel and subtext, subtext, right? And like paralleling our reality. And this time, they essentially decided to dive head at first into it, which, listen, I love parts of that. And, and 
I think they did a wonderful job with the, as always, with the characters. So it it makes sense. It actually applies for Homelander for A Train. Like it fits almost too well <laughs> in in some ways. Um, like the whole soup lives matter. It's but like the joke doesn't land as well when it's too on the nose for me. Granted, like I said, character work it's fine. But like yeah. the soup lives matter scene where he essentially uh, paralyzes uh, A Train's brother, um, which is like awful to watch. It's just oh, maybe just because it's too much like. What we're seeing every day in the news. It's too real. Yeah, That's one of the big things that happened this season that I actually, I I love. Uh, Apparently, this show was very, very popular with the alt-right until this season. And then so many people from the alt-right started speaking out about how dare they attack us. And it's like, this isn't an attack. This is a mirror. This is literally a mirror being held up to you. But they also attack. So I love that you pointed out the thing that A Train's character, like what he was trying to use the trappings of BLM for like clout. Yeah. And that's a, a legitimate uh, criticism of people who are trying to use these social causes just to further themselves, right? Yes. Which happens in any movement. Uh, but, but at the same time, the, the reality of what's going on in these communities is very apparent. But anyway, just to go back to A Train, the fact that they used, told his story with that was perfect. Like for his character growth, and then when he grabs Blue Hawk and runs him across the, you know, the the, the road, and j- that was one of the most brutal deaths. There's something about that death that's just partly because it's like a reality of like this is what they would do to minorities and you know drag them behind cars and stuff yeah. for like lynching. Yeah, there's something that was almost really like gross and also perfect about it. This is what they do with this show, and then I, and then he collapsed, and then, honestly, I knew it. I was like, I don't think he's dead. But you hear his heart stop, wow. and I was like, "But if that was the end of A Train, if that's how they like concluded his storyline, would have been perfect as an ending." But then they go one better and they give him Blue Hawk's heart. <laughs> I mean, that's just mwah, chef's kiss. It's so wow! Like, and you see the horror on his face, realizing he's got a racist heart beating in his body. Yeah, <laughs> but also like his murdering that guy saved his own life. Oh, it's just it's just great. levels they work on. Yeah, um, I did want to go back this- to that. Uh, in that same hero gasm episode, which I'm telling you, like that episode's so great, not because of the orgy, but it's because of yeah. all the character moments that spring from it. So, um, there's a Starlight and, and Huey having their their confrontation, like it comes to a head, it explodes in that moment because he whisks her away when she's just trying to save lives, and yeah. then they're both naked, literally physically naked. Like how? Talk about every time he teleports, like, he he loses his clothes. Yeah. Yes. And so does she, but then they have to be naked in front of each other having a fight. And there's something that's so perfect about that, right? They're stripping it down to the nakedness of what the argument is. Like, I'm telling you, these writers, I'm just so impressed over and over again what they do with character work on this show. Like, all the plot for, is there to, to, to essentially push the characters to a point. And, uh, and the fact that they did that, like, they literally are naked having an argument. And by the way, if you've ever been in a relationship, you've been in that moment <laughs> where you're both standing naked in a room having an argument. And, you know, when I was saying earlier that, like, these powers are all extremely fitting with the Temp V, and mm-hmm. I am kind of curious to see, like, if more of the boys take Temp V, what's, like, what are their powers going to be? But um, for Huey, like, apparently Jack Wade was, like, basically told they were like, yeah, so this is going to, like, this is the deal with the script. Uh, are you, like, are you okay with getting naked on set that often? And he was just kind of like, you know... It's for the character. It it makes sense. It fits. So like I'll I'll take one for the team here. Mm-hmm. He did talk about, by the way, walking around the set where they're like 
at Herogasm and how he's like, I was the only one who seemed uncomfortable about being naked because like all these other performers were actually like, you know, used to getting stripping down their clothes. Um, yes, they and, use and adult nowadays, entertainment so stars too. Yes, uh, typically they will because uh, honestly, part of it's you, you want consent. You want people that are totally fine with taking their clothes off. Um, but yeah, that was just uh, Huey. He this season is kind of his the shine. I think for as much as he is way more complicated, do, like him taking the compound fee. I remember being like, "You idiot!" But at the same time, being like, "Now you're way more interesting." <laughs> you know, um, it, I'm trying to figure out how to transition to this, but there's no way. So I'm gonna bull and bull in the china shop it and use hero gasm as the excuse. The deep gets even more pathetic in yeah. this season than I thought he could get. Like I figured his this time. This is why I wanted Bridget here is so we could hold it up and be like, see, he becomes, he becomes a total joke and it's hilarious, but also kind of sad. No, I'm, it makes me really excited for season four because the way that they're pushing the deep and a train, like they were kind of, they were both relatively stagnant characters for the first two seasons mm-hmm. where it's like they suck and they continue to suck and they prove that to us. Um, and now like they're they're getting yeah they're they're facing a, a lot more pressure and a lot of like character change like a train murdering blue hawk and then getting his heart to save his life the deep uh the deep like <laughs> being assaulted by homelander in in, in mentally mentally assaulted mm-hmm. emotionally assaulted yes. by by homelander just, yeah abused he's just literally being like in a an abusive relationship with homelander Oh, that's everybody with Homelander, yeah. I guess. Yeah, but like it'll be interesting to see because this whole time you're, you know, there were a couple of times where we're like, oh, I wonder, especially in season one, we're like, I wonder if they'll turn and like, you know, actually do something and, and that, that might help the boys or go against the seven or strike out on their own. And so far they've both just been like so sycophantic, but maybe mm-hmm. that'll change slightly next season. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing with the octopus and the, I mean, they took it to that neck. They took it there. He made and him the eat fact that he tries to get a threesome with his. I will say every oh. scene with that's why that's why we are not serving calamari anymore no, in the no. cafeteria. Timothy, it's just so. I mean, literally, like the where they the lengths they go to for shock value this season. I'm all for it, by the way. Like the first opening scene where the guys like the shrink down guy is inside of a penis and then he blows oh. up half the dude like. I'm just I I think there's no other way they can shock me with this show and then they find a way and I'm sure they're in the writer's room thinking of that but oh boy yeah this season we're we're definitely going to revisit that season that's that uh, scene when we talk about uh, our favorite and most shocking (laughs) deaths or whatever yes well um I to talk about a few other storylines we did so again the big hero gasm scene we get mm finally has his confrontation with soldier boy which we should really back up 10 and talk about uh soldier boy and jensen ackles and black noir like god there's there's yeah, so the, many characters in this show and they're so all happens. interesting <laughs> yeah the the big the big storyline is soldier boy is back and that drives yeah. this season forward the the entire time all the other storylines are, are are there but the biggest one being that you know homelander versus soldier boy and how butcher is going to use soldier boy to finally bring Homelander down. Yeah. Because he because he can use... He, Soldier Boy, after being tortured by the Russians, now can shoot power out of his chest that takes away the superhero abilities and and 
it's like it a, nukes everybody yeah, I around. Say, I would really. say it's like a mini nuke yeah. going off, and instead of like yeah. uh, flash frying electronics, it's flash frying superpowers. Oh yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but yes, exactly. And uh, and that's what takes out Kumiko at first, where she loses her powers. Uh, which it, oh, by the way, can we just talk about that opening scene with her where she's singing? And I was like, <gasps> oh my god, did she finally get her voice back? Like that's beautiful. And then like, no, that's just all in her imagination, and it's so sad. Like, yeah. I love Kumiko so much this season, but it's a really sad season well, for her and friends. Okay, so so before we go, uh, uh, let's talk yeah. about this storyline because this was sure. another great one that I thought was again they are doing so good at over there at Amazon Prime Video, writing this out. You know, Kripke and Sean and Chime are just doing some amazing work there. The relationship that Frenchie and Kumiko have, Kimiko have had is is great and they are they're learning more from each other and each other and in this season you get the feeling that more so than ever that um she is feeling like her powers are not for good they're they're horrible making her into a monster and all this stuff and you know you see it when she accidentally gets Crimson Countess to blow up the Homelander mascot at, oh, that's at right. Yeah, she just wanted it, it, to go to Woke World, wasn't that? Vaultland, Vault World, time. one of the two. No, that was Woke World or whatever where they were. It was all like um, rainbows and anyway. Again, like this season, they go. They essentially lean into all the 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 criticism of the show, right? Like, oh, it's too woke or whatever. And so they make a Woke World or whatever, which I, again, I'm like, this season, I, I don't know how I feel about them pretty much diving headfirst into all that stuff, but. Why not? It's the voice. But, you know, it's it's really beautiful that, like, she she feels this way about herself, and she feels like it's all the powers, and then mm-hmm. she gets depowered by Soldier Boy, and then, you know, she's in the hospital, which, by the way, I loved the musical little number that they did. Um, yeah. While, yeah. While it wasn't a great musical number, it was really well done. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a fan of musicals, and I love I every time they pull stuff like that in the show, I like it. So, and and then to uh, then have what happens with little Nina, basically, you know, f- she's taken hostage, and since she doesn't have the powers, Frenchie has to try and like, you know, he's gonna have to probably go work for little Nina, little Nina again. Which, by the way, you get was a very despicable relationship. And you know, Very toxic time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kimiko has to then basically, you know, kill a guy or two to basically save her and Frenchie. And she comes to the the realization that um, the powers weren't making her a monster; that she had this all in her the whole time. And then Frenchie's like, "That doesn't make you a monster. You were f- yeah. what makes you a monster is doing it just because you want to." Like. Like the seven do, like these soups do. You, mm. You're not doing that. You're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, and the the, uh, the thing though, the scene where she has no powers and she just like stabs the dude to death with a knife in the throat, whatever, and the groin. I was like, man, this show, this show. Every time again, you think that like they can't shock you, or whatever. Like that's a brutal scene, but it also makes you just have so much more respect for Kumiko that even without superpowers, she can take down this dude. Anyway. Yeah. And so I think the main other thing that we have yet to cover is basically like the Homelander arc where he is like we, we he is uh, every season he gets a little more unhinged. And especially this season, like he's he's become a serious 
uh, Trump-esque alt-right figure who's like, I am your god, basically. And he's got a real following, uh, which is very disturbing, but accurate. Uh, and and that's, yeah. yeah. That, again, Emily, that's what kind of like bothered me a little bit about this season. It's just too on the nose to what we had to just live through. So I'm like, do you have to make me live through this again? But yeah, I guess so. I guess... You have, and, and truth, it, it, you have to hold up the mirror. You have to hold up the mirror. Homelander rallies, man. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, though, that I do respect is that it makes sense for his character. Like, if they did it and it didn't land for his character, it would feel forced. But at the same time, I'm like, no, of course, that makes total sense. Um, so I'll buy it. And uh, But God, you're talking about his being unhinged. Uh, what we get this season, too, is up until now, he's been the most powerful person in the world. And that's kind of how he's always seen himself. Like he's mm-hmm. something so special. And then he gets Soldier Boy who, you know, potentially could beat him. And then even worse than that, he gets Butcher has powers and he can't even kill Butcher anymore. So it's like he gets completely well, demasculated. And yeah. so to watch him have to go through that realization and we get an, a wonderful scene where Anthony Starr uh, or Homelander is essentially talking to himself in the mirror. Um, great performance by Anthony Starr. Uh, we realize yeah, this, the kind of... Like the kind of trauma he's been through that would that would lead to a coping mechanism like this, right? And yeah. he, like, it's not just the the idea that like, oh, I might not be the most powerful. It's also loss. At the end of season two, we think Stormfront's probably dead, but she's not. She oh, I is about this. lying in her room in Vought Tower, clinging to life, but she can still speak. And there's this horrible, horrible scene. Where she's in in the uh, the room, and like her and and Anthony Starr are there, and she starts performing a sexual act on him while in her current state, and she makes yeah. mention of him being like the master race, and all of a sudden, like you see him just losing it, and then you find out she kills herself. She bites her own tongue off to kill herself. To kill herself, she Jesus. She like so that takes away. Homelander still had some sick sickening love fashion there so that's gone for him uh he last season lost ryan ryan was taken away from him and he figures ryan's never want to speak to him again and then also you find out that like as the season progresses he's losing members of his own team especially the person he thought was the most loyal being black noir black noir yeah so th- yeah. and that we have to again talk about that storyline because it all relates so black noir, noir who is trying to he was was it he 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 was forced to wear a mask because they didn't accept a black superhero back then right wasn't that part of the storyline and then he uh he was part of the original team payback which was soldier boy's team yeah and it turns out soldier boy was an abusive violent prick to everyone and they so that his team turned on him and got got him captured by the russians but then black noir gets mutilated by soldier boy right that's what gets revealed in the weird like cartoony um, he, reality that Black Noir well, lives Soldier in. Soldier Boy, I think it was Soldier Boy down starts, in, yeah. with the Contras, right? Yeah, Soldier Boy starts fighting back, obviously, and yeah. uh, Black Noir gets mangled. So that's why he now is forced to wear a mask because he's like hideous and disfigured and, and can't, can't even speak, speak anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which so th- this idea too again, Black Noir, who up until this point has been sort of a mystery, like they were doing the Snake Eyes thing, yeah, uh, trope from GI Joe, and we his storylines completely tragic and you feel terrible for him and then he gets brutally murdered by homelander so but also for homelander he ends up killing one of his friends who betrayed him right god it's just so tragic this season um a lot of stuff comes to a head this season 
It's interesting because we do finally get a little bit of like what is going on in Black Noir's head. Like he hated Soldier Boy, turned on him. And then when Homelander came around, realized that like they were going to have to do something similar. So he was sort of trying Mm -hmm. to help with that. But then before any of that even pays off, he just gets like taken out in an instant. And I don't know. That almost fell a little flat to me. Like I, I, I didn't have that many criticisms of this season, but I was sort of like, where did that all go? What? Because he's got all these hallucinatory little cartoons. He's got he's got pool vision. <laughs> and uh, and then and then he just gets eviscerated, like literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, that's true. I mean, as much as they have so many characters and storylines, I at some point you got to start like you know winnowing them down. But uh, finally, I, I was like, wow, I want to know more about this character. I want to see where this goes to. And we also didn't get any closure with Soldier Boy and him. But listen, in real life, you don't really get closure often. Um, so that's it makes sense. But at the same time, it, is, it does feel like a wasted opportunity for something to happen with Soldier Boy and him because that was truly like the the big confrontation for that character that just never happened. He was His storyline was essentially used for Homelander. Right. Um, well, to, to, yeah, you know, he, his was a, definitely He was fridged support. by yeah. Homelander. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, you know, brings up the – we go back to the Soldier Boy storyline who was the original – quote unquote supposedly the original Vought superhero. Mm-hmm. And he's found Somebody, in Russia yeah. alive. Everyone thought he died, but no, he's alive and in Russia. And you know, he makes his way back thanks to the boys, he makes his way back to the US and Butcher decides I'm gonna use him to, you know, get rid of Homelander. Not caring about, you know, Mother's Milk's, you know, history with him. Yeah. Which is a really big, you know, jerk move <laughs> yeah butcher's yeah, and full I, of the jerk moves this season 100 <laughs> percent. butcher really gets even worse this season and i'm along for the ride i love it but what we get this season that's really cool and i didn't totally pick up on it until towards the end of the season i was like we learned more about frenchie's background about how he went through all like this trauma as a kid with his dad his abusive dad he was a total stone cold killer for the mob for a while we learned eminem had like this history that's been hinted at, which is why he has all those ticks, mm-hmm. is because of Soldier Boy and like just losing members of his family and like in a horrific attack that they were just like bystanders on, um, and that's why he's so dedicated to taking down superheroes. And then we learn that um, Butcher, we get to go back in his mind again to learn more about his the storyline where he abandoned his little brother, who he sees Huey as. Um, and so that's what I love about it. They found a way to explore all these characters, but it felt like it came out of the plot, right? It didn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing they're just so good. I'm going to keep saying it, like of tell, pushing character and like it feels like it belongs in the scene. So uh, and that so that learning about Butcher where he gets trapped in his own mind from the, what's the name of that mind, that which is another is constant mind trope in Super Storm? Mind Storm? Ma- I thought it was Mind Master or something like that. Master, But that brings up like Soldier Boy's, back on a crusade to get vengeance on his old team for selling him out to the Russians. And Butcher's mm-hmm. like, I will help you do this. Cause Butcher obviously is down to kill soups, but like, he's also like, but at the end of this, you got to help me take out one more soup. That being mm-hmm. Homelander. And we which get he's totally fine with until <laughs> some mixed results. <laughs> yeah. So, but, well, once um, once Soldier Boy learns that uh, Homelander is actually his kid, his son, yeah, uh, his son, because they used his sperm that they uh, got got from him and 
and so it turns out he wasn't injected as a baby as everyone else was. He was actually the son of a superhero, which makes the uh, the other kid, what's the name Ryan. of the boy? The Ryan. grandson. Yeah. Uh, Ryan's the grandson of uh, Soldier Boy and the son of Homelander. And it's it's really interesting to note here that like the entire time, Soldier Boy is supposed to be uh, uh, the evil version of Captain America here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole idea that Soldier Boy is 100% like – so if you remember in the first Avenger movie of Marvel, there was a bunch of people they were testing out to become the first super soldier. Mm-hmm. And they picked Steve Rogers, the smallest, the frailest, but also the most emotionally stable of the group. Basically, mm-hmm. this is like, okay, they didn't even let Steve Rogers try to be, <laughs> yeah. to go through this. Instead, they picked the biggest, dumbest idiot and gave him the power and he abuses it. And then as yeah. you're going by with uh, soldier boy in modern day, and he's acting like that old, like, oh, I'm from the, you know, I went through the Depression era, like, I'm tough, everything, all that macho BS. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's from the time when, when men were men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting to see that, especially especially because he's with Huey a lot of the times. And Huey would be mm-hmm. the exact opposite com- when you compare the two, pretty much. And, you know, the re- revelations there, oh, uh, Homelander is Soldier Boy's son, and they have a, gr- you know, and he has a grandson. Homelander looks at this like, oh my god, I have a family, and I'm gonna make this a fam- this family be a real family and work. And Soldier Boy just had a completely different idea. He was <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, it, it's so funny though, because that is essentially like that generation, like terrible fathers, right? Like, yeah. men were men, and you know, I'm not raising a kid. <laughs> Toughen up, sink or swim. Anyway, it, it's wonderfully done. Like just how they execute that. My one of the things I was disappointed about with this season, though, is like it felt like so much happened character-wise, and they did a lot of this stuff. But in the end, we get Soldier Boy just goes back into the deep freeze, right? Mm-hmm. Like Homelander, like nothing really changes, right? Like the setting hasn't really shifted that much. Granted, we got rid of um, Giancarlo. Uh, what's his name? The head of Stan, Stan Edgar. Stan Edgar. Stan Edgar is. Um, no longer in charge of Vought and uh, Homelander steps in as like the, the only real leader because everybody else is just afraid of him. You know, this is exactly the dream of Trump, the Trumpists, right? Yep. We have our dear leader who's in control of everything and we'll just like bow to him and say everything he says is perfect and awesome. Um, so we do have like a change of that way, but it's, it just felt like this was a setup for the next season. A lot of this was kind of putting pieces on a board, a I... lot of character growth, but like plot wise, I feel like it's like they, Essentially, it was like a stalling tactic. I I heavily disagree, mostly because Ryan goes from hating um, uh, from hating Homelander to loving Homelander and hating Butcher. Uh, You also yeah, but again, this is all character, like character wise. But Ryan Ryan was their hope. Ryan was their hope that eventually he would be raised right and wouldn't be corrupted like Homelander and would actually be a force for good. And now he's in the hands of the person you don't want him. To be in the hands of also on top of all this the only thing ever holding homelander back truly besides this idea that soldier boy might be str- uh, stronger and better is public perception and he's always mm-hmm. worried about being hated by the people and throughout this entire season as he steps out if his like oh i'm like when he steps out and he's like i am i am better than you this he's met with a pause 
And then at the very end of this season, somebody throws something at G- uh, at, at Ryan, knowing it's not going to hurt him. And mm-hmm. he lasers him and everyone starts cheering. Worst of all, it's mother mother's milk's uh, wife's oh, the, new the, boyfriend. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is uh, like all set up for next season. Like, so that's how, yeah. what I mean by it is like so much of this season feels like it was, listen, I enjoyed this season a lot. And the criticism I have is that it does feel like it's a setup, which is not really a bad thing to do because Next, I'm like super excited to watch next season. So, you know, it's not like they did a bad job of keeping it on somewhat of a cliffhanger. I, I don't know. No, I, I kind of agree with Lucas because I I really liked this season, but honestly, like seasons one and two were a lot more gripping somehow. Like they just kind of it was like one episode of the other. I like couldn't I couldn't stop. Um, and this had a little bit more lag in it, which I think is fine, but. Um, it did feel like there was a little bit more development or plot wise it could happen. Well, I yeah, I just feel like they left this felt to me like it was left half finished for, you know, cuz but at the same time I'm like counting the days until season 4 comes out because I really want to know what happens. Like you said things get accelerated to a point where I'm like is season 4 their last season? It almost feels like it's heading to that. Hmm. Like this was a setup so that season 4 will happen and it'll be like balls to the wall like anyway that's what it feels like because he just killed somebody right and then and he's getting approval so violence is on the table he now has like the support of the people to to let his freak flag fly and like so that it feels and then also butcher we we learn at the end of this season that he only has like a year to live like yeah that's what i mean like it feels like they set it all up this season was to set up next season is how i felt like by the end of there, it and and they didn't kill off the um what's his face uh soldier boy he's in deep freeze so he's not off the board yet he's just kind right. of in pause so that's what i mean like it, it felt like they didn't conclude a lot of stuff whereas in previous seasons you were like okay it felt like a little more of like if they ended the story here i'd be disappointed but it does feel like somewhat conclusive right um and meanwhile this one's like a little more teasing for the next season I love this season so much. This is this has by far been my favorite season. Okay, I don't want to go on record saying I didn't love this season because I did, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, those are my criticisms of it. You can still love something and and have criticisms. Yes, I'm not saying you can't. My I'm wife just... tells me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <psh. laughs> so um, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, did you guys have a favorite or most shocking kill? <sighs> I mean. I've already mentioned some of mine, but I'll go back. I will, we'll rate them now, now that we have time. Okay. I mean, obviously, starting off the season, what was it? The first 10, 15 minutes? First episode. Like first, first 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. First scene. First episode. First scene. <laughs> but wasn't the, that was wasn't the first scene. The first orgasm. scene was uh, Huey talking to uh, Victoria, right? Oh right, okay. So it was like the second, second or scene. third scene where. <laughs> oh, I have a scene that I, one of the. So it's not even a death, but you're right. Okay, if we're gonna talk about the death, the penis blowing up scene is just so messed up. Um, it's just you also like as they were setting it up, you know, you knew something terrible was gonna happen, but you're just kind of mm-hmm. like, okay. you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I know what's gonna happen here, and then. But it you does don't. Happen. But you don't. But you don't and, know what's gonna happen we, exactly. So 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 basically, it's Ant Man. Like their version mm-hmm. of Ant Man, he can shrink down and whatnot, and they the they basically do the 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 Thanos mm-hmm. idea where oh, oh my why God. Yeah, why didn't together. why didn't uh 
Ant-Man just go uh, into Thanos' butt and, Thanos's and then butt enlarge and blow him up. And it's like, oh my God, you people are messed up. And then what do they do in the boys? Instead of going in the back, they went in the front entrance. Um, oh God. And it was, it was almost like, and the dude, like if he sneezes, apparently it will cause like a reaction. And what's he doing? He's doing blow. Are you, in ki- are you kidding me? Oh, I know. Just but the, I so forgot about one of the best the best parts about that is Butcher shows up and puts him in a, a bag of cocaine and yeah. shakes him has around. an OD. It's <laughs> so amazing. God. Anyway. So Although for he me, doesn't the, die the, until Herogasm where he shows up and then everything gets nuked and Homelander just steps on him. Steps on, on purpose, him. I have to assume. If you think about it, though, he was nuked, so he had no powers anymore, so but he was tiny. Yeah. So he yeah. was stuck. So he tiny. was going to stay tiny the rest of his. I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. And people were like, uh, yeah. oh, Homelander just didn't see him. I'm like, no, he, he heard him. <laughs> oh, oh, no, yeah. he, Home- knew. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Um, he probably hated that guy all the time. Uh, so one of my most traumatic moments wasn't even a kill is when Huey's like, break my arm so I don't have to go into Ooh. work. And Kumiko snaps his arm was like wow. almost more brutal than some of the deaths. The scenes. sound design there, too. <laughs> and Huey is so good. He, God, I got to give um, Jack, Quaid. Jack Quaid some credit. His in pain and fear reactions and, and face like i love that, that guy's a comedy he's comedy gold yeah the arm snapping was and just his reaction to the arm snapping made it seem so much worse than, oh. um but oh no but for death so i'm gonna have to say the one for me that was the most dramatic because i didn't expect it like the blowing up penis thing was just shocking and gross and like but like you said emilia you were like you kind of knew something was gonna happen with it so it wasn't like that surprising uh for me it was when uh blue hawk got dragged on the ground i like didn't see what they were going to do with that like i didn't see it kind of coming character wise uh so it was like really brutal to watch that one that one was one of my fa- well it feels weird to call it a favorite but that, that was like, <laughs> hey no it's one of my favorites <laughs> definitely <laughs> tops the guy. list because it was it was a it, it was very sick vengeance you know and it felt very mm-hmm. fitting and it was symbolic and and based on history and i think that was like a good way to get people to like maybe educate themselves a little because after that mm-hmm. um after that scene aired you know i'm sure there was a bunch of people on twitter a bunch of people on social media saying like hey did you know that this is mm-hmm. not a fun fact but like yeah like this is historically based this was unfortunately like mm-hmm. a horrific and brutal but traditional way of lynching black people um in um back in history and in not that far out history either like fairly recently no. i think we had an, an event happen what was it like like 10 years ago or something was yeah the re- most recent one that's been acknowledged so you know anyway so it's that's good, good to point. like keep those things like just to remember and yes. and yes. to be aware um but the other the other death that i'm gonna i'm gonna put on this list is um is the death of timothy yes i was that's number one that was so horrific for me um i saw some behind the scenes thing where uh apparently timothy well obviously they didn't he didn't he didn't it was a cg he didn't eat a real octa they didn't like they didn't do the old boy thing with this like he, he, he was timothy was uh made of vegan mochi (laughs) <laughs> apparently but still just like apparently the whole thing was really unpleasant <laughs> i believe it i mean look chase crawford in that scene was absolutely dynamite like 
Yeah. Like, no, he's, it's Timothy. I, I can't. Oh, God, he's. No, but just showing the depths of his just cowardice, right? Like, like he won't. He has a family. <laughs> yeah, it just really makes him. What are they going to do? This is what I mean. What are they going to do next season? Because he's just made him. Like, A-Train got a, somewhat of a redemption arc. By the way, which we didn't talk about, where Huey confronts A-Train and he, like, has that moment where he's like, do what I say. You're right, man. That's so messed up. Like, that speech. Yeah. Like, I got to give that actor credit, man. Like, I've I've been talking him up how much I love him being, like, despicable and, like, and and craven or whatever. Uh, And he got a – that. let me just say his name. Uh, I said it last time, but – Jesse. Jesse Usher. Jesse D. Usher just kills it on that scene. He just has so much like pathos. I felt so terrible for him in a way where you're like, why am I feeling bad for this guy? Like, but him confessing it and uh, acknowledging his guilt and like an empathy with, with Huey, like was a really cool moment. And you can see it totally messes up Huey. Cause he's like, did not expect it. Yeah. Um, but then to see Chase Crawford then have to go through this, like essentially make himself into like this pathetic, you know, excuse for a human where he's eating his friend. Like, Oh, that's just so messed up, dude. Even if it wasn't his friend, I don't like, I feel like people don't, I don't think people consume octopi quite like that. That raw. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to. You don't need it that raw. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, well, should we move into favorite, favorite moments then? Or sure. Well, okay. So it'll bring me into moment. one. One last shocking sure, moment. Sure. Um, the deep and his wife, uh, having a threesome, ha- having a threesome with the, well, the deep oh. trying to proposition her into a threesome with the octopus was very, uh, wow. I could not believe it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It, it's never a good idea to propose a threesome in those situations to begin with, but then bringing, you know, other life forms into it is definitely a no, no. But I was going to say favorite moments because the, scene where Huey does confront A-Train and A-Train you know like Huey's totally expecting A-Train to just be like no screw you man like I I don't care and to give him an excuse to beat him up but A-Train is actually like has actually undergone some development is like yeah I'm sorry man it was super messed up and that makes it and that makes Huey even matter um yes just the acting in that scene was so good and the and then when Huey like He's like he just like sucker punches him um to to get the anger out and um A Train is like ow and then he's like wait a second like how, how is that, that possible yeah that was just so well done yeah it's such a great that's what I mean that hero gasm what I love is they tease it as being this big shocking moment and it was literally a bait and switch because what ends up happening through that episode is all these crazy character moments and I'm gonna say another favorite moment is. And I, you can hear me on record if you go back and listen to the past episodes of this show. I'm always criticizing when there's just action taking place for, for no point. Like, I get really bored of that stuff. And yet the Homelander, Butcher, Soldier Boy, Huey fight scene is awesome. Like, that's one of my favorite superhero battles I've seen in a long time. Because it feels so like this, the stakes are so high. The action's really well done with like the choreography of like fighting in that little space. And just the tension between like watching Homelander finally get served is so great. And like he and he just blasts away and flies through the ceiling at the end, which you're like, what the hell? But also the fact that he flees like f- for survival. Yeah. He bleeds is like, it's a huge and then he has, to, he has to run yeah. away. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a huge moment. And uh, I love that scene. Like that for me is, and that's the hero gasm episode. Like Mm -hmm. so much cool stuff happens in that episode that the whole like orgy thing is almost like it's totally a bait and switch. Yeah, actually, yeah, the orgy thing was actually, yeah, I was a little bit nervous because they talked this up and I was just like, I don't know if am I going to want to see this? I was the same. Yeah, because I I didn't get to watch it for like three or four days after it aired and everyone had already been like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, that like, whoa. And I was like, man, do I really want to see this? And they're like, make sure the kids are nowhere near around it. And I'm like, this wasn't what I mean. They used all that. They used all that buzz, though, to sell what is a really strong episode for character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When really the the worst thing that happened was um, MM's coat, MM's jacket getting oh. absolutely destroyed. <laughs> Poor that MM. Was that, was... <laughs> that was tragic. MM is such a rough time of it, man. Oh. But you know he's he's so... trying to get he's got to get over his little tick thing. And what's a better way than to confront oh, the evil per- vi- superhero who murdered your family and to have to get bodily fluids so, all over you um just a, a side note uh a funny moment that happens is not too long after the hero gasm uh episode where the throughout the entire hero gasm episode everyone's like oh my god frenchie's gonna be upset he missed this and then like oh, this, all this, this this terrible stuff happens and it's all in retrospect and they're sitting there with french and he's like i'm really upset i missed this <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god as he's whacked what, out what of, happened uh, to people it was great. Um, yeah. So my actual favorite moment this season was actually the end with Queen Maeve. She she mm-hmm. tackles Soldier oh, we Boy. We haven't talked about her at all. She goes out the window. Soldier Boy has his explosion thing, and Maeve is now um, alive, but a human, like a regular human. She's no longer a soup. And I enjoyed her. Sm- she had a very small uh, storyline this season of getting Butcher the the temporary V. But also, mm-hmm. you find out she's sobered up. She's training mm-hmm. more and more because she wants to be able to take down Homelander. And she's while she joins the fight at the end, she's really not able to really, like, actually. I mean, she hurts Homelander, but she's she knows she gets her eye gadget yeah. out. She, I mean, she's going to the mat, which I love. I have to say, you're right. She doesn't have too much to do this season, but what she does do is like, so good for her character. Like I look, that's the thing. And the scene where she hooks up with Butcher, it was like really sexy. Like, you know, because you're like, wait, she's a lesbian. It turns out no, she's like most humans. She's got, a, she's complex. She's bisexual. And uh, yeah, yeah. So. And I did not expect it though, because partly because of how much Butcher hates soups and how much like they're just their relationship was very odd to begin with. Like how they were interacting, you could tell it was like a convenient team up. But they, you know, and then. But the, the, when they hook up, I was like, wow, this is one of like the sexier scenes I've, I've seen in a superhero film like ever. Like they don't really typically do romance and sex very well in these uh, superhero shows. And that for me totally landed. And I love that afterwards where uh, Homelander knows that she turned on him because she could he could smell butcher on her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Talk about an insult where you're like, I thought you're my friend. And meanwhile, you're hooking up with my worst enemy. It's kind of awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, Maeve's storyline, I I do wish like there had been a little bit more payoff, like similar with Black Noir. I just felt like, um, I, I mean, Maeve's storyline had more payoff than Black Noir's did, yeah, but yeah, definitely. they both still got relatively small pieces, which I understand like they only have so much time. And I, I liked, I liked, I thought the sacrifice at the end was really, was like a really good culmination. And I felt very mm-hmm. mixed about her still being alive because- 
same i just I was like, like how, wait how does she survive though if she's a human and like doesn't have her powers and she s- fell off a building they didn't really like, fully it, explain that it would make more sense for her to be dead narratively mm-hmm. but yeah. i really like that she now that she can go t- into the sunset with her girlfriend or wife somebody deserves now. a happy yeah ending. i'm yeah. glad that she had like someone the, the, a happy ending yeah, and yeah. she lost an eye, so it's not like she got off scot free. But I mean, that that scene where she confronts Homelander at the end, she's like, "I'm gonna, you're gonna have to kill me, dude. Like, yeah. I'm gonna do everything I can to take you out." Was cool. It was really good for her character. It really gave her that. And then sacrificing herself to save everyone else. It was just like I like that they did that for, her and that they, with how dark the show can be, like it helps that it somebody got a happy ending. Yeah, you know? I agree. Anyway. I agree that like if if she died, this season just would have been such a downer. Yeah. She gets to she gets to go into the sunset, like Emily has said, and that's yeah. I think that's great. And we might it might not be the last we see of her, but Probably most not. likely it is. Maybe not. Who knows? Or like she'll yeah, if she's in it, she's I don't think she's going to be a main player anymore, which is fine because there's already it's a pretty you know pretty uh, dense cast. I mean, they did get rid of uh, Black Noir as well, yeah. so they are kind of starting to, sh- which you're supposed to do by the yeah, way. You got to like, shave it. Start down. getting it down to focus on the you know the main characters. Um, all right, so do we have any um, theories moving forward from here about like what's going to happen next season? Yeah, I think um, we covered some of it, but yeah, yeah. I think real the easiest one, Butcher is going to look at this. I have a year to live as free reign to I'm going to die anyways. Time to start taking out as many as I can, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to let him just unleash about on it. Um, there is no comic book basis for this because in the comic books ryan doesn't exist so and and mm-hmm. soldier boy is not uh homelander's father so temp and temp v doesn't exist no. one of the, that's one of the creations of the season that's so great like it totally t- turned it on its head but at the same time they're acknowledging we can't get away with this next season that's what it was a, cl- a clever little writing trick to be like this is why it won't be there next season <laughs> so you can't rely I, on superpowers I, I don't know what's going to happen with a train, but I do have a feeling the deep is going to turn. I, I think at some point he's just going to be like, this is too much. And I think he's going to surprise Homelander with how strong he actually is. But, oh, but, but at the end, the deep's not making it out of the next season. Um, That's my I, prediction. I think what's going to end up happening mm-hmm. is the deep's going to rally all of his sea creatures and is going to have like a total Epic moment where like all of the, all the creatures of the ocean are going to come to his aid and it's going to be spectacular. But, and I do agree. I don't think he's going to be uh, underneath Homelander at, at some point. He's going to step out for himself for sure. Yeah. I was thinking about Starlight a lot this season too. And she's actually like one of my favorite characters this season um, because of she sticks to her idealism and I think mm-hmm. that that could waver next season. Like, I don't think it's going to go away. Like, it, it might be one of those things where she, like, goes rogue for a lot of the season and then comes back at the end. And something that I, I is not really a theory, but something that I hope will happen is that she actually shows us why she's in the seven because she is ostensibly powerful and she has, like, very useful powers where she can siphon off, like, electricity around her and direct it into pure energy. And I, like, that's, it's awesome looking. It's cool. She can like hover a little now. Um, but every time they like build her up to to do something, they like they're like, all right, we're gonna shine all the lights on her so that she can like really power up and do something. It's a little bit of a letdown. 
And so I'm hoping that we're going to get a real payoff of that next season, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we will. Maybe if she so takes is, an evil yeah. turn, then she'll be really powerful. <laughs> no, this is my my thought for her. So one of the things that she's done is her idealism. Like she, even though she will, you know, she does what she has to do. She can go outside of her moral code to like do the right thing, but she still is doing the right thing. I have a feeling she's going to team up with Butcher to the point because she recognizes the threat is so big that the only way to defeat it is to actually, you know, completely compromise how you do things. Because up until now, she hasn't. So that's my theory is that she's going to go to the dark side, which is Butcher, which which Huey has done over and over again. Like he did this season. I think finally we're going to get Starlight to cross that line next season. Isn't that the the final like isn't that like one of the final scenes? She joins the boys. She leaves the seven. She's out of the seven yeah. now, and she goes and yeah. she joins the boys. Yeah, and I do think w- what I'm saying is it's going to be like because even her joining the boys, like, well, she's bringing her idealism right. to them, and I think no, they're going to corrupt her. So, <laughs> like Butcher is going to corrupt her as well. So the boys, are, I'm sorry, the seven are down to the three. It's just three, Homelander, yeah. A Train, and and the Deep, right? I think it's going to end up being just the one, but yes. yeah, oh, Next, yeah, that's another one of mine. Next season is going to be just the one. It's just going to be Homelander. Well, I think it'll be Homelander, yeah. and he's going to he's going to do something with Ryan he, somehow. Ryan's oh yeah, gonna... you're right. So the two, you're no, that's a good point. You're right. Yeah. Ryan is now under his wing. So okay. I've got a I got a bold theory, which is that like I love bold theories. Hit us. Yes, deliver. Starlight has not like starlight has been unwilling to compromise on her idealism for three seasons despite all of the terrible things that have happened to and around her and so i'm like what would it actually take and i wonder if like huey dying would be what it takes because i could actually see Huey, like even though he is ostensibly like the lead the lead like i i could see him dying what, what, what would be the most shocking thing for the boys universe would it actually be huey and starlight being actually able to ride out into the sunset or would it be that one of them dies and the other one goes off the chain off the deep yeah. end yeah. i think it's honestly a lot more fitting for huey to die <laughs> they they love reversing expectations on us and i think yes that, uh, well that's what By i'm the saying way, i just more... thought of Deep's yeah. third memoir is off the deep end. <laughs> oh my god! Where's Bridget? She's like always good with the uh, the deep jokes. Out of okay. the shallows, <laughs> into the deep. Yeah, nice. Did we do into the deep yet? Anyway, um, all right. So yeah, I think theories. I think those are really good theories. And um, you know, I'm super. I'm super excited for season four. Like I was excited for season three, but now season three has got me like on pins and needles waiting for season four to come out. So yeah. we'll definitely, I hope next time we can actually cover each episode as it's released. I'd love to, for all of us to talk about it. So hopefully we'll do that on the verse. Oh, and I know like we're, we're pretty much out of time here, but just like, I'm sure you all agree, but just a shout out to MM this season. Yes. Cause yes. we didn't get to talk about for favorite sure. characters too much, but he was by far my favorite character this season. No. Uh, I mean, I struggled Lazo with that because I, did the, Kumiko fantastic. and yes. Frenchie, and M- mm so like See, well mm got to have some so many funs like what we didn't get a lot of him in the past was like having fun mm-hmm. and so we got to have a lot of scenes with him where the character got to have a lot of like you know as maybe it was gross <laughs> like getting going to hero gasm form but like we got to have fun with his character so that was and his, really good his development was so good like with his daughter and mm-hmm. yeah. coming to terms with his own mental health mm-hmm. and his history and the intergenerational trauma it was just like 
No, La- really scratch niche there. I, I feel like Laz yeah. Alonso did amazing this season. So did Karen Fukuhara and uh, Tomer Capone. Uh, those two, uh, like if if we were to do the All Stars, I don't think I could separate uh, Tomer and, and Karen because mm-hmm. they had to work together. And the only reason why that storyline works so darn well is because they are in lockstep with each other, and it's yeah. so great. Oh, I did like MM got kill. to spend. Yeah. It hurts yeah, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I like it. MM got to spend time with Starlight more. That was a, those are cool scenes. Anytime they were in a mm-hmm. scene together, I'm always like, I want them They're to team up team. more. They yeah. are. They're a good team. Yeah. I agree. Love exactly. It. All right. Well, that's uh, season three of the boys. Be sure to subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts: Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon. We're on them all. Also, you can reach out to us on Twitter and now on Instagram. You can find us at The Versecast. So please follow, share, and interact with us. And if you want to follow me, Lucas Longacre, you can follow me on Luconian Logic, on Instagram, and on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Emilia, you can find me on Twitter at EmiliaU. Um, if you want to follow me, you can follow me, Norm Felker, on Twitter at random underscore white guy. Uh, Bridget's not here today. So if you really want to follow her, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Bridget, Bridget Brogan 16. Finally, there's our producer, Steven Prusikowski, who was last seen trying to get his hands on a lot of temp V. Somebody should warn him that there's uh, some nasty side effects there, but maybe we should just let him go. He can be found on Twitter and letterboxd as at filmsnork. All right, well, it's time to wrap up. Fasten your helmets. Strap in and prepare for our next cinematic universe destination. Yep, and there's our music. Thanks for listening. Keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Steven Kruzikowski. Now, lot, why don't you gather around your robotic friend? Let's get ready for your bitty butcher impersonations. Oh, it's got me sensor button or lock, stock, and barrel. Alrighty now, let's get going. When you put them together, they're the goddamn fucking Spice Girls. When you put them together, they're the goddamn fucking Spice Girls. We didn't bring him here for a fucking Happy Meal. We didn't bring him here for a fucking Happy Meal. I just had a prop down to the shop. I was running a bit low on mind your own f***ing business. And I bet you'd thank a soup if they on your mom's best china. I bet you'd thank a soup if they on your mom's best china. You can take your tongue out of her slap on your big boy pants, and make a f***ing decision. F***ing diabolical. F***ing diabolical. Well, ain't that some fine work there, blokes? Me only problem... There's more beeps than there is dialogue. Oh. Reminds me of the time Eddie Murphy's Raw played on the BBC Film of the Week. Now that was f***ing diabolical.